This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Acorn TV offers world-class mysteries, dramas, comedies, and documentaries from Britain and beyond. So I'm just starting this week a show with Jane Seymour called Harry Wilde. Yeah, it's so fun because it falls under the uh, person who is not an official police person or right. or like in, in the judicial department or anything like that is like, I'm going to get involved and I'm going to help you solve this crime, which is one of my favorite types of ladies. And yeah, so Jane Seymour, I guess, is a retired English professor and her son is a police detective and she just can't help but get involved in the cases he's working on. Yes, and they have a new season coming out this month, so it's the perfect time for you to jump in, Nick. And Jane Seymour is wonderful. Wonderful. So you out there, check that out and check out all the great stuff that Acorn TV has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. Hey there, it's Nick. And it's Leah. So we're doing another live show. Where you raised by wolves live. And this time we're going to be on the West Coast. Portland, Oregon, babies. So come see us on June 15th. And we're going to be at the Siren Theater. And the show starts at 7.30. So go to our website, whereyourraisedbywolves.com slash live and get some tickets. Join us. It's our 200th episode. That's 200 episodes of I Mean. What is wrong with people? I can't even. I don't care for that. For sure rude. Let's call her Lisa. I don't even know what's happening right now. What do we even do with this? That grinds my gears. Were you raised by wolves? Let's find out. Here are things that can make it better when we have to live together. We can all use a little help. Some people don't ask themselves. Were you raised by wolves? Hey everybody, it's Nick Layton. And it's Leah Bonima. And let's just get right down to it with our 200th episode. 200 episodes, Nick. I mean, unbelievable. Like, I thought 100 was wild. 200? I mean. I recall a time where you were like, we're tapping out at 100. <laughs> I remember a time when I was like, we're tapping out at 30. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, 200 episodes. It's like, um, I can't, how time has flown. How time has flown. And I will say I'm a little disappointed that we actually have not solved all the world's etiquette problems and we are still relevant. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely seems it keeps popping up. Right? Like, I, I really thought we were going to solve it all and that we were not going to need to be at 200 episodes. I wasn't worried. So for today's very special 200th episode, we wanted to go down memory lane and share some of our most memorable favorite segments with you. From between 100 to 200. Right. Since our last milestone, what did we love from the last 100 episodes? And I feel like it was hard to pick. It was definitely hard because there's so much. There's so much to choose from. But I think the ones we picked actually were the ones that we got the most feedback from you all. These are the ones that I think we got more DMs, more emails, more voicemails from you all with comments. And so for whatever reason, I think all of these segments really resonated. I would like to say I'm hopeful that one day we won't be needed. Yeah. Oh, I would love to be obsolete. That's my dream. <laughs> Absolutely. Because I do believe in people, but I have seen some people not saying thank you holding the door. So, eh. yeah, I want to be a fax machine. <laughs> I want to be a dot matrix printer. Yeah, no, I, I'm very interested in being no longer necessary. But it seems there's a few things happening still. Yeah, I mean, I, I think maybe uh, we have uh, a few more episodes left. We may have another hundred to go. Yeah, or a thousand. Or- <laughs> 
couple thousand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just visualized us like 50 years later. Right. Both of us with mustaches being like, and today. <laughs> yeah. It looks like we're still confused about this thing. Uh, so. <laughs> and we're still like, would you like to vent or repent? And it's for sure a vent. Yeah. I mean, who are we kidding? So for the amuse-bouche this episode, we went through the archives and there was a lot to choose from. I had trouble picking this one because I love a Nick Histoire. I would listen to an entire series book on tape. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, no, this is a fun one because there's a little history. Uh, There's also a Judith Martin cameo, which I love. She's my personal etiquette hero. And then there's also you trying to push the boundaries. (laughs) Which uh, I was like in a moose bouche where you're you're really trying to just poke around the edges to see are there any holes, any uh, loopholes, uh, how far can you take something? That and, doesn't uh, you sound definitely, like you me definitely at try. all. I don't. I know. So I don't weird. recognize what? myself in that. <laughs> <laughs> so for our moose bouche, we want to bring you back to ice cream sodas. And who doesn't want to be brought back to an ice cream soda? Mm. So for today's moose bouche, I want to talk about. Ice cream sodas. Oh! Sometimes called ice cream floats. I can't even tell you what a big fan I am. And also my mother's a huge fan. And so fangirling. Yeah, I mean, what's not to like? And so for anybody out there who doesn't know what this is, and I guess there are people out there, it's basically ice cream. And there's going to be something carbonated. So either seltzer water or maybe a soda. And there could be some syrup in there too. And there could be some whipped cream. Could be a cherry on top. But it's a delightful beverage. And it's usually in like a nice glass that's kind of chilled or unless it's a takeaway cup. Either way, it has a fun straw. So, all right, you like some ice cream sodas. And the question today is, what do you do about those last little sips in the bottom of the glass? You got a straw. You got some sips in the bottom of the glass. What do we do about it? Where am I? Am I alone in my car? (laughs) Am I in the middle of an A&W? Well, if you're alone in your car, as we know, Etiquette does not care what you do when you're alone. So you do whatever you want to do in your car. Well, just in a moral, a moral side of this, mm-hmm. I believe it's morally wrong to leave any ice cream. Okay. So you're going to have to get it. Okay. <laughs> so slurping, are you making a lot of noise? What's happening? I don't think I'm going to make a lot of noise, but I'm going to either going to pick the cup up all the way and let it slowly roll oh. down into my mouth. Okay, we're going to take the straw out. We're going to take the straw out and we're going to go in. I see. Okay. Which is probably wrong, but it would be more wrong to leave any ice cream emotionally. So first, let's turn to the etiquette grades. Emily Post, (laughs) 1922, she did not weigh in on this. And it's not that this did not exist in 1922, because I think the ice cream float was invented in the late 1800s. And the story goes that it was at the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia, and they were having a big, like, celebration, and there was all these vendors all around. And at the time, there was a very popular beverage, which was cream and seltzer and syrup together. And one of these vendors at the celebration ran out of cream. So he was like, all right, well, I guess I'll use ice cream. And he did, and everybody was like, yes. This is it. This is it. And so it became a total thing. But it wasn't until we got into the 1920s, which is when Emily Post was writing this book, that this really started to take off. And 1922, same year she wrote her book, is when some guy in Walgreens decided to add malt powder. And then the malt was invented. So Emily Post will give her a pass that maybe this wasn't popular enough for her to write about. But it's also not something you would eat at a formal dinner party. So she was also probably not concerned with it. So she will not be helpful here. Now, Leah, how do you feel about Judith Martin? 
Miss Manners, what's your feeling? She can be cool? She's not gonna be cool? What do you think? My gut's telling me she's not gonna be cool. <laughs> so get ready for this. Buckle up. Ms. Manners, she calls the ice cream soda one of the, quote, great gastronomical treats of the American cuisine and has thus given ice cream soda, quote, a unique privilege. Get ready for this. Quote, Miss Manners stands by a rule she made in her comparative youth that everyone is allowed three, but no more, noisy slurps at the end of an ice cream concoction, simply because it is a crime to let that good stuff go to waste. A more decorous way of getting the last drop is to use the straw as a pipette and allow its contents to dribble back into the spoon. I have never been so delighted to be so wrong. Sometimes Miss Manor surprises you. I'm so glad. Yeah. I mean. When I came across this, I was like, what? What? This is not expected at all. And I mean, I, if you could see me at home, I'm sort of glowing. I believe in the power <laughs> of an ice cream soda to bring us all together. I also just want to say really quick that I'm going to steal that. And when I'm spooning things into my face with my straw, <laughs> which I do, I'm going to say to people, I'm using it as a pipette. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So she writes this and people were like, wait, what? Really? So then somebody followed up and asked, if two people are sharing an ice cream soda, is it three slurps per soda or per person? I mean, these are great questions. And so Ms. Manner says that sharing a soda is a, quote, preteen version of a trial marriage. And so here's what she says. Each person can take one slurp back and forth. And then the third slurp is, quote, taken by the person who values that combination of syrup, melted ice cream and soda more than the romance at the other end of the straw. Miss Manners advises the young that many love affairs eventually prove disappointing, but ice cream sodas will never let you down. <laughs> I mean, she true is or into words. it. Truer words. I've never been spoken. She is so into it. It is unbelievable. I've never seen so much enthusiasm about a food coming from Miss Manners than the ice cream soda. Yeah. I mean, that this wild? really puts her in a whole new light in my mind. Right? Because ice cream never lets you down. That's true. Yeah. No, she she is very wise. If she's nothing else, she's very wise. Wow. So wow. ice cream soda, you have Miss Manners permission to do three slurps. No more. But you do have permission for three slurps. You could just make those slurps extra long. All right, don't push it. All right, Miss Manners was being very generous here. <laughs> Let's not take advantage. I know I want one so bad so I could just slurp the end. Not that I wasn't doing it anyway, but so nice. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> now you have permission. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. And Acorn TV offers world-class mysteries, dramas, comedies, and documentaries from Britain and beyond. So on your recommendation, Leah, I started watching Happy Valley. Yes. And now you see how the title is ironic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also, so much is going on in this town. So much is going on. We already we start at a 10. And then yeah. we keep going up. But I will say, the lead, she is so good. She's unbelievable. Why are they better actors over there? She is incredible. Yeah. And just, yeah, the way the storytelling is done and the way it's shot, like, oh, it it, it, it got me. It got me. I'm in. I'm, I'm in. so glad. I knew you would love it. I was like, this is great storytelling, great acting. Also, I sweat. I break a full sweat in that show. So you out there, check that out and check out all the stuff that Acorn has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. 
And we're back. And now it's time to go deep. Deep and on the water. So for our deep dive, our question of etiquette, there was a lot to choose from. There was. But this one is great because <laughs> it might have the highest ratio of puns. That's why I'm, I love it because I feel like I'm constantly trying to get puns in. Nick's constantly fighting against it. And I feel like at the end, you flowed with me. Okay. See what you did there. I also love this one because I learned something very important about vampires. I was unaware of this detail and I think it might save my life. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad I brought it up then. <laughs> right? Yeah. I also love this one because it is forever stuck in my memory that your friend doesn't like it when people wave to them on boats. Oh, yeah. No waving. Uh-uh. <laughs> it's a slippery slope towards further human relationships and friendships. <laughs> so let's dive in it. Ooh. Because you're on a boat. Get it? <laughs> oh, we, we get it. I yeah, know, no, you we did. get it. I just like to say it again. <laughs> And we're back. And now it's time to go deep. Very deep. We're going to float this right by you. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so for today's question of etiquette, I want to talk about boats. Do you catch our adrift? <laughs> <laughs> I'll stop. I'll stop. It's oh, just... oh, don't make promises you can't keep, Leah. <laughs> so for me, boats are like weekend houses. You don't want one. You just want friends with one. So I have lots of friends with boats, which is great. You know, it's it's uh, wonderful. And the only thing better than being on a boat is being invited back. And so I think it's very important to have very good boat manners as a boat guest. I also have a, a much larger array of knowledge about kayaks and canoes. So okay. probably not the boats we're about to discuss, but that's more in my my wheelhouse. My boathouse. <laughs> so, yes, there are lots of different types of boats. And so I think some things may not apply to your canoe. And some <laughs> things may not apply, you know, to yachts. I don't know. But in general, what I'm picturing for this conversation is like you have a friend that has a boat and we're going to go out on the lake. And so this is a boat that probably fits at least four people. Okay. You know, that that size. And we're going to spend a couple hours in the water and you've been invited on the boat and we're going to have a nice afternoon. I think that's what I'm picturing in my head. For Lovely. This. Lovely. And so I think the first thing before we even go on board is we need to bring something. We cannot arrive empty handed because it's like showing up at someone's house. You don't arrive empty handed. So I think we got to bring something. Good things to bring. Bag of ice, beverages for everybody, snacks. Things that don't melt. So I don't think we want like Hershey kisses, but like, you know, brownies are good. But I think we have to bring something. I think that's great. I also love the bag of ice. That's definitely going to come in handy. And this is also not the time when you bring the classics of flowers, candles, or chocolates. <laughs> so we don't actually want that list for today. Are, none of those things are going to make it through the day. And then I think before we even get on board, do not invite people onto the boat without telling the captain, like, don't just bring extra people. No, that seems that seems wild. That apparently happens. If you ask boat owners about like boat etiquette, unexpected passengers is like a thing, which blows my mind. Yeah, because a definitely limited space situation. Yeah, well also, it's rude just to like show up no, even I mean, if there was space. It's definitely it's definitely <laughs> rude, but I mean, in this situation, they might not genuinely even fit. So it's like Yeah, there might not be enough life jackets. <laughs> so sure. it's like what are you going to hang over the side? What are you thinking? Although if you show up on my boat uninvited, I don't want to give you a life jacket. <laughs> so now we have arrived at the boat. And 
it is very important to ask for permission to get on the boat before you get on the boat. It's tradition, of course, but there are some boats that you could actually like capsize if you just like jump on and the captain wasn't ready for you. So like, just wait, be like, hey, can I, can I come on board? Or you could use the very traditional like permission to come on board and they'll be like permission granted. I love that. Also, it's great if you're a vampire because you can't be a vampire until you're formally invited on. So, oh, is that the vampire <laughs> rule? Vampires have to be invited in places? Well, in houses, they have to be invited in. I don't know if you've seen The Lost Boys, but I've been going through every Los Angeles movie ever, and that's about uh-huh. vampires. And it's just quintessential 80s movie. Um, they have to be invited in. So, I assume it would be the same for a boat. Oh, so if you don't invite a vampire into your house, you're good? What a loophole. It's a huge loophole. Enormous. Yeah. yeah. I mean, why are we fighting vampires? We just go home and we don't answer the door. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, how hard is that? Anyway, back to asking for permission. It's actually maritime law that you're not allowed to board a vessel without permission because otherwise we call that being a stowaway or a pirate. So you're probably not going to go to The Hague if you like jump on your friend's dinghy without permission, but like you should uh, ask for permission first. And I actually don't know. I've never actually been on a cruise. I don't think people are asking for permission before they like get on board the carnival panorama, right? Like if you go on a cruise, there's nobody at the top of the gangplank being like, you have permission granted. Like, I don't think that's happening. Is it? I don't think so. I don't know, but I do hope that people are just for fun shouting up permission to come aboard because it is a lovely saying. So now you have permission. Okay, great. The next big thing is you got to listen to your captain, right? The captain is the captain of the ship, literally. And they have rules. Some of them might just be very health and safety. Like, you got to be seated at this time. Like, we're about to dock. Like, please be seated. Some of them, uh, you know, may be more capricious. Like, I have a friend who has a boat. It's on a lovely lake. Great sound system. And he has a rule that you are not allowed to wave at other boats. (laughs) You're not allowed to wave. And I was like... Just to explain why why this is. And he says, quote, it empowers strangers to think that they now have a relationship with you. Then the next day, they're coming closer to the dock and now speaking to you. How are you? And other such drivel. Then the next thing you know, they are reciting physical symptoms and the results of an MRI and attempting to show <laughs> pictures of grandchildren. And then you are on a very slippery slope. All of this can be avoided by not waving. <laughs> So that's his rule. There is no waving on his boat. If you want to be a passenger on his boat, that's the rule. So that's what you do. No waving. I feel so stressed immediately because like, what if you're in the middle of the lake, a family goes by, they wave Mm -mm. and then you just, you just have to make a, like a stoic face. Sit on your hands. Ah, Nope. The tension. Yep. Yep. No waving. No waving on his boat. But you know, that's the rule. That's the rule. Now, shoes, shoes, very important topic because what can happen on some boats is like you walked in from the parking lot and got on the boat and there was a pebble in your shoe and now you are walking on a teak deck putting a scratch all over the boat. No one wants that. And also a lot of shoes actually leave marks. Mm -hmm. Like even non-marking shoes, quote unquote, like can also leave marks. So a lot of the times you actually are probably barefoot on a boat depending on what it is. But whatever the footwear is, there will probably be instructions from your captain about what you're supposed to do or not do. So just know shoes, it's a thing. Just know Shoes. It's a thing. Shoes. And don't throw trash overboard. Like, don't do that. Oh, no. This happens. I see this. And this is like so disappointing. No. Yeah. You see this? I have seen people just like toss a can overboard. (gasps) Yeah. No, it's, uh, it. yeah. 
So you really shouldn't toss anything overboard, ideally. Like, just take it back to the dock. Like, we don't need your banana peels or peanut shells in the lake either. So just take it back to the dock. Yeah, I feel so disheartened. I mean, I know people do this, but it's like there are lovely animals and plant life living in the water. Yes, ecosystem. It's an ecosystem. Also, it's just rude to everybody else in the lake that it has to see your trash. Yeah. It's just rude. Yeah. And also, like, you wouldn't just, like, leave trash in a park, would you? I mean, this person probably would, but you shouldn't. You shouldn't. No. So... And for you, kayaking and, and canoeing, anything you want to add? Well, usually you're by your, well, kayaking, you're by yourself. So it's, you know, you're giving yeah. yourself permission to come aboard. And etiquette doesn't care what you do when you're alone. <laughs> yeah. And then with canoeing, you obviously have to talk to the other people about getting aboard because you'll tip each other. Yes. Communication is key for sure. <laughs> and if you're in the middle, if you're in the middle of the canoe, you have to be like, I'm going to move if you need to move. So you know, again, you could tip. I've never canoed. Oh no, it's lovely. It's very lovely. We'll go canoeing. Oh, that sounds fun or a horrible idea. One way or another. One way or another, it'll be an experience. It'll definitely be something we'll never forget. Okay, put a pin in that. <laughs> a hat pin. Oh. Is there anywhere else you want to steer this conversation? Leah. <laughs> what did we say about puns? I don't know. Oh, one thing I do want to mention is don't get drunk. Like, no one wants to have you be the drunk person on their boat. So just, you know, it's hot sun. We're having a good time. A lot of beers happening. Like, that's all great. But just, you know, let's not. (laughs) Let's not. Let's not get too drunk. Yeah. Because also just a safety reason, too. Like, it's probably not great to be drunk and then fall overboard. Like, that's probably not good if that's happening. So it's, uh, it's not a good idea for a lot of reasons. But let's just not. Let's just not. And this is completely unrelated. Oh, Leah tossing <laughs> in something unrelated. Whoa. Hello, this Ripley. Just, yeah. This just seems, <laughs> you mentioned cruises earlier. Right. I haven't been on like a carnival. I haven't been on a cruise like that. I love like deep from within myself. I love mm. dolphin cruises. Is that a company called Dolphin Cruises or that's a cruise where we go see dolphins? B. Oh, okay. I cannot. Every time we go to Florida, I literally jump out of myself to be like, can we do the dolphin cruise? I just, you know, it's usually a glass bottom boat. Ah. Sometimes you go around sunset, you go out there. I used to have this dream of when I retired from my illustrious comedy career. And then I'm obviously also a, a writer, but I would then perhaps own a dolphin cruise ship and I would take people out into the sunset oh. and we would watch mommy dolphins jump out of the water with their baby dolphin right next to them and you would think life is magic. I just can't get enough of it. So you just want to have like a Lisa Frank binder come to life. That's what you want. <laughs> okay. Have you been on a dolphin cruise? Uh, I have not. So I don't know what I'm missing. Uh, I feel like my enthusiasm is probably lower for this than you. I don't know. Water mammals just knock my socks off. I'm going to be honest. Okay. I mean, we all have our things. I love dolphin cruises, but you know, they're, it's not like, that's not like a carnival cruise. It's two hours. Right. Yes. It's a very bite-sized nautical experience. Mm. So anything else you want to add? I think we're ready to bow out of this conversation. Wow. You really outdone yourself. (laughs) And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Book of the Month. I am loving getting to pick my books of the months. 
Is that what the appropriate way to pluralize it? I'm loving getting my books of the month, but for multiple months now. So books of the months. Yeah. Oh, it's so easy to order. It's super convenient. Their selection is wonderful. And this month I picked The Ministry of Time, which sounds wild. It is about a civil servant who's helping to manage some government program where time travelers from other eras like come to help with something. And then they apparently fall in love. What? So like this guy from the 1800s is like, what's Spotify? And then like, you know, love happens. So I cannot wait to receive this. (laughs) You know, love happens. And you out there, you're going (laughs) to love Book of the Month. So you can get your first book for just $5 with code PEDALS. So go to bookofthemonth.com and use code PEDALS to get your first book for just $5. And now it's time for Intermezzo. Intermezzo. So this episode is brought to you by Brooklinen. Brooklinen is the internet's favorite sheets. That's right. And they're great. They sent us some sheets and I'm sleeping on their percal, white, of course. And they're crisp. They're cool. They don't sleep too hot, which is definitely the thing I do not want in sheets. So they're the perfect temperature for me. And I feel like coming into a new season, it's the perfect time for a refresh, right? You get new colors, you get new patterns, you recreate your whole sleeping space. Or you can switch the fabrics. So Brooklinen actually has fresh linen. And it's designed in Brooklyn, made in Portugal, and their wash linen is made with 100% European flax. So you can get the lightweight essentials necessary to upgrade your space for the summer from Brooklinen. So visit in-store or online at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. And use code WOLVES for $20 off your order of $100 or more. And we're back. And now it's time for some questions from the wilderness. Ow! So over the last hundred episodes, there's been a lot of questions from the wilderness to choose from. Lot of questions. It was very hard. Yes. Very difficult. And I love the three that we picked because they're all food themed. I know. I was like, let's do foods. Yeah. I think it was just coincidence that they all happen to be food themed. But uh, here we are. Here we are. So one of them is about La Croix. La Croix soda, which I had never had when we were talking about it in that episode. And I do happen to have a can of peach pear La Croix uh, right here. I'm so glad you went with the peach pear. I was said, Nick, please <laughs> go with the peach pear or the pompalose. Okay. So I am going to try right now for the first time ever some La Croix. And it actually was very funny trying to buy this today because it's actually hard to find in New York City, apparently. And so I went into my local CVS and there was no La Croix in the case. Like there just, it wasn't in the refrigerated section. So I went to a staff person. I was like, oh, excuse me, do you have La Croix? And she looked at me like, what are you talking about? And it actually did not occur to me that uh, that is not the correct pronunciation of this item. It I was going to say, maybe you should ask for a La Croix. <laughs> so I, I, I remembered that when she looked at me like, what are you asking for? And I was like, Oh, do you have LaCroix? And she's like, yes, aisle five. And that's all I needed to do. But honestly, I I had forgotten that LaCroix is actually not the pronunciation. But I'm going to try LaCroix. History in the making. So here we go. I'm going to try it. I'm going to be like a Foley artist. Okay. All right. Very nice. And then because I'm not an animal, I'm going to pour it into a glass. I feel like you're missing some of the experience, but okay. Oh, it's part of the experience (laughs) drinking from the can? I mean, I love to pop a can, sit on the couch with my LaCroix. Okay. Here he go. He's smelling it. It it definitely has um, notes of peach and pear. So that's good. And it does smell very juicy. It, it smells very, like, very fruity, very juicy. But not too much, right? It's not too much. It's not overpowering. Um, 
I mean, it's definitely present. It's very forward. And so let's try it. He's sipping. He's tasting. Okay, interesting. What's interesting is that the nose, the smell is very pear. It's very pear forward. I'm not getting a lot of the peach. (laughs) Although sort of the end taste, the end of the journey, I do get a little peach at the end. So that's interesting. That's kind of uh, an interesting balance. So, okay, I get this. I get why this is like a thing. I think Nick is way more excited than he's letting on. Oh, you think? (laughs) I'm just being cool about it. I'm really looking forward to after we stop recording and he just drinks the whole thing in one gulp. (laughs) I've been waiting my whole life. Well, I need that hat that's supposed to be for beer where you just put two cans in it. That is what you need. That's what I need. Well, I actually had to buy a whole case because CBS only sold it by the case. So I now have like a case of this. So I will be drinking more of it. But no, I like it. It's a good thing. And now I know what I'm getting you for Christmas. Beer hat for LaCroix. (laughs) Okay. Yes. So there's that. And then one of the segments that I think probably generated the most feedback of all is about mac and cheese. Yes, I definitely got a lot of messages about sporks. Mm -hmm. I would like to apologize to the spork people. Yeah, big spork. They're definitely uh, after you. <laughs> There's a, I wasn't, I just have, was unfamiliar. Yes, you do say the line, I've never seen a real sport. <laughs> and I think, audience, the number of photos that you have now sent Leah definitely covers us. She is familiar <laughs> with sports at this point. So it is not required to send her any more DMs that are spork related. But I, you know. Live and learn. Oh, yeah. No, you you learned. Yeah, you, you definitely learned. <laughs> and I also want to say that every time I'm in a store, mm-hmm. any store, somehow my eyes find the mac and cheese box and sees that spoon on it. I mean, there's a spoon on it. There's a spoon on it and boggles the mind. But first, let's kick it off with pickles. And I'm so glad we're doing pickles coincidentally, a very close friend who also Mm. listens to the podcast just sent me, because of this segment, we talk about pickles all the time. A jar of pickles. No, a recipe (laughs) that is a puff pastry pizza with pickles on it, which I will be making. What? Yes. Wait, what? Yes. Okay. I mean, I will reserve judgment for once. She added a few (laughs) things. I was like, we know you're not actually reserving judgment. She added a few uh, things that she would change in the recipe. So I'm going to go with her version. But this pickle conversation has opened up a whole new world of people sharing interesting pickle stories with me. And I'm delighted because, you know, I love those pickles. Well, without further ado, let's talk about pickles. So our first question is, quote, and someone actually forwarded this to me on Instagram, which is, How soon is too soon to ask someone if they're going to eat their pickle when you're out to lunch? Have we, as a society, determined this yet? I love under the headline of things we need to determine as a society. It's a great great category. Yes, we need definitive rules about certain things. How long you can leave your laundry in the dryer. When you can unplug someone else's electric vehicle. When When you can ask for the pickle. pickle. (laughs) So, okay, Leah, do you have thoughts? Well, I think in this one, we got to split it up. It's got to be... Do we know, like I, certain people I eat with, I know they're not going to eat their pickle. They never eat their pickle. Mm. So when they get their food and it has a pickle, I feel comfortable saying, are you going to eat your pickle? Because I know they don't want it. Okay. So when you're dining with declared pickle decliners, then (laughs) fair game. Ask immediately. Fair game. 
right up top. I think they don't even want it on their plate. You're doing them a favor. Okay, interesting. They've been giving you this pickle for 10, 20 years. You know what I mean? Oh, well, if you have a history of pickle redistribution with this person, then yeah, if there's a history. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think if there's a history, I mean, you don't even have to wait till the plates are out. You could be like, hey, when you get that pickle, can I have it? And they'll be like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> on the way to the restaurant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you're scheduling the lunch. Right, yes. let's do lunch tomorrow. And by the way, I want your pickle. Yeah, because you know. This is the relationship. But then there's going to be the category of people where perhaps their pickle status is unknown. And in that case, I think you have to wait. Unless you want to be, I'm just throwing this out. This could be a uh, no, but we'll just see, okay. we're just going to workshop it. Sure. Maybe you're out with like five people and everybody's got uh, burgers and fries and pickles. Everybody mm-hmm. got the same thing. Mm-hmm. And you love pickles. Mm-hmm. Pickles are one of the reasons you get up in the morning. <laughs> and you say... When all the food gets put down, you say, hey, if anybody doesn't like pickles, I love pickles. Uh-huh. I'm happy to take them if, if, if anybody's not into their pickles. Okay. I like that. Making an announcement. Yeah. That doesn't put anybody on the spot. Nobody's on the spot. It's a general pickle announcement. But really, what is the appropriate amount of time or way to ask when you're unsure of their pickle status and it's a one-on-one? We can't make a blanket announcement to the table. We're just dining with one person. They have a burger. They're eating their burger. You see the pickle has not been touched. And you're like, are they going to eat the pickle? Not eat the pickle. Because I am aware that pickle prefers do sometimes save the pickle for the end. They do. they're like, I'm going to save the best for last. So the fact that a pickle has not been touched is not necessarily indicative of pickle disdain. It is very true. So what do we do with this? I think we could just ask, hey, are you a pickle? Are you a pickle person? So I guess you can ask if they like pickles. And I think you have to wait towards the end of their meal. I think you could do it in the first quarter. First quarter. Okay. Not at the beginning of the first quarter, end of the first quarter. And I do like what you said about saying, hey, just so you know, love pickles if you're not going to eat. Although I feel fine saying, are you a pickle person? I think a declarative statement is probably better than a question. Hey, if you're not going to eat your pickle, I love pickles. And just like leave it at that. I think that's a little nicer than asking if I can have your pickle. Because then it's sort of like, oh, do I have to share my pickle now? Well, I didn't ask if I could have your pickle. I asked if you were a pickle person. Oh, are you a pickle person? A character question. Hmm, Is it in your nature? I also would love to have a full conversation about pickles. So if you say yes, then I want to know what kind of pickles you like. Have you ever made your own pickles? You know, it could be a great conversation. Right. And then we go uh, to fermentation. You know, there's all these adjacent worlds. It's a it's a broad topic of exciting details to learn. So I think if you want to talk about if that's if you like pickles and maybe you'll get a pickle out of it, maybe you won't, but you might get a full pickle conversation. That might be a way to go into it. Okay. so did we answer the question? Did we provide any information here? Well, we decided if it was a group situation, we could make an announcement. Yeah, I like that. Okay. And if it's one on one, we had two suggestions. You felt like after halftime, we could say. But I I could see first quarter, but the end of the first quarter, start of the second quarter. Yeah. Yeah. And you think the person should say. I think you might want to just talk about your own pickle appreciation and sort of leave that hanging. Like, I love pickles. And we just sort of hint, I guess. Although then I would be like, oh, you should just be polite and direct. Yeah. Like, that would also be what I would say. Like, being a little coy, that's actually a little rude. (laughs) So maybe, yeah, you maybe should be like, hey, I'd love your pickle if you're not going to eat it. I think that's what I would say. It's not a question. I'm just letting you know, if you're not going to eat your pickle, I would love it. And we just sort of like state that. I would love say that. 
I'm letting you know. Right. FYI. I would love your pickle. If you're not going to eat it, if you are going to eat it, I'm excited for you. Right. I'm glad the pickle will be eaten. And so I just want to make sure that that's covered. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I just want Maybe the pickle the to spirit. get eaten. I think that's the spirit. Okay. I just want the pickle to be appreciated. It's a team effort at this table. <laughs> and so yes. I, I'm, I'm going to jump in if you need me, coach. Like, I'm, I'm ready to do it. But if you're going to do it, that's great. But we just got to get it done. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. So our next question is, quote, I have to repent. There have been two LaCroix sitting in the work fridge for more than a year, unclaimed. I drank one of them today. Can I just replace this LaCroix with the same flavor on Monday? So first question, though, is it LaCroix? I know people say it in many different ways. And to me, I say it the way that they say it on AbFab. LaCroix, sweetie. LaCroix. <laughs> so that's that's how I would say it. But people say like LaCroix. LaCroix. Right? I say LaCroix. You say LaCroix. But I recognize that LaCroix would also be correct. Yes. LaCroix, sweetie. LaCroix. So regardless, I've actually never had this beverage. Are you serious? Well, I mean, when would this come up for me? I'm not going to buy it. Oh, I... And they don't serve it on like an airplane. It's probably my most drunken drink. Okay, so what is it all about? Why is it such a craze? It's just like sparkling water with like a hint of flavor? It's a, it, What it is, uh-huh. is that it's the correct amount of hint. Some ah. sparkling beverages, the taste is so strong and it's often very sort of chemically on the back of your tongue tasty. Mm, you know what I mean? Okay, metallic or yes. artificial. And you're like, ooh. And and. LaCroix or La Croix just kind of sprinkles <laughs> it in. It just sprinkles it in so nice. It's just a suggestion of pamplemousse. Yes. Okay. A, a pamplemousse or the peach pear. Oh, Un peu. Un petit peu de peach pear. And okay. there is one flavor that we had to immediately get out of our house and we put, you know, on a little sign that says free to new home because um, we buy it in large. Oh, uh, okay. Go to Costco. Yeah. But um, what flavor? I don't know if I can say this, but the coconut, it's it's the coconut goes against the whole LaCroix of sprinkling in the flavor. The The coconut it tastes like you're drinking sun lotion. It is <laughs> OK. Oof. Not for you. So if we had a nickel for every complaint we got about office fridges, <laughs> we would have a lot of nickels. So I think we can agree it's rude to eat someone else's food. Right. Like it's a baseline. That's a baseline rule. Yeah. It's a jumping off point. Yeah. But I feel like a year, a year, if somebody came to you and be like, did you drink my soda that I've had there for a year? And you're like, yes. Like, do you really have a a, like to stand on there? I I feel like there is an expiration date. There definitely is. And I think the fact that you're just going to replace it Monday, totally fine. And then you'll probably drink that one and then replace it again. Oh, yeah, you could do that. I mean, definitely it's been abandoned. (laughs) I think it's been abandoned. But if we think it hasn't been, and we're sure that these are the exact same cans, that someone else isn't just bringing in new cans every day, like we know that that's not the case, then I think what we could do is we've sent an announcement. Oh, because what is bonkers about this office is that we have no rules about cleaning out the fridge, that the fridge can actually exist in a state of perpetual chaos, that there's no Friday at five cleanup, like normal (laughs) offices. Like what is happening? Why is this lawless? So I feel like, I would send an email to the office and be like, hey, everybody, I'm going to clean out the fridge at five on Friday. So take anything out by then or make sure it has your name and a date on it or like something. And then if these LaCroix are still there at 501, then they're yours to keep. I mean, I feel like you covered all of it. Right? Yeah. There's nothing left on the table. (laughs) Yeah. 
But yeah, I think something that's non-perishable like this, uh, yeah, I think go for it after a year, sure. But I do like the idea of replacing it on Monday. I like the idea of replacing it, but if it's been abandoned, then this replacement is going to be there as well. Yeah, but then you forever. can just drink it at the end of the week again. Then we would just drink it at the end of the week. Well, no, then I would just keep replacing it and drinking it myself, you know? Wait, wait forever? Forever until I uh, until I switch offices. Uh, and then would we leave the cans on your way out or would you take them with you? And then we would leave the cans. I see. So the idea is that this fridge requires two cans of LaCroix at all times. Yeah, just to keep it... It's essence. Well, it's sort of like <laughs> the essence of La Croix in the fridge. Yeah. Is like the essence of the flavor in the La Croix. Oh, it's so beautiful. So beautiful. Okay. So I think it's nice that you repented, but I think I think you're in the clear. I think so too. So our next question is, quote, what is the correct utensil for eating mac and cheese? A fork or a spoon? I go hard on fork. Fork. That's it. No conversation required. I have childhood memories. Uh-huh. My parents weren't in on like processed food, so I didn't get macaroni and cheese. Mm. I had one babysitter that every time I had her, we had macaroni and cheese. And okay. I lost my little child mind. And I have <laughs> fond memories of taking the fork and putting the little elbows of macaroni on each. One per time. One per time. And uh-huh. what a dream. I feel like if you <laughs> okay. have a spoon, it's soup. Okay. Well, so I agree. My instinct, my first thought is, of course, it's a fork. Of course, we use forks. And I would like to venture that most of our audience would agree with us. However, let's talk about it. So I looked up the etiquette grades to see, has anyone weighed in? And turns out, Emily and Amy, they have not weighed in on this question. So we will not get any help from them. But... I did look at the Kraft Mac and Cheese box. And on the box, they show a spoon. What? It is not a fork. On the packaging, they suggest through their imagery that the spoon is the correct utensil. Well, I mean, I guess whatever gets it to your mouth. Okay. Uh huh. But it feels more shovely with a spoon. Right. True. And I think on some level, when we think about etiquette and table manners, a lot of the table manners in the United States are sort of Victorian, where the idea is that we want to pretend we're not actually eating. <laughs> and so anything that looks like you're trying to shovel food into your face is typically not the way we want to do it. So I think by that argument, yes, spoon would be incorrect because it's a little too easy. I'm a huge shoveler. I mean, anybody who knows me, I'm just like, get it in my mouth now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I think, A, if you have mac and cheese that has so much liquid in it that you need a spoon, right? it needs to go back into the oven or the pan or however you miscooked it. Right. If there's a viscosity <laughs> problem with your mac and cheese where like spoon becomes correct, yeah, maybe there is something wrong with this dish. I mean, I believe in the goodness of a mac and cheese. So if what brings you joy is piling it onto a spoon, mm. then by all means, pile. But I would say fork. Now, I was thinking, if it is a homemade mac and cheese, this is not like a KD dinner. This is like something you made. Uh, it's a Mornay sauce. And this sauce is so good. The cheese you've used is so delicious that you want to get every drop of it and so if the sauce is really the featured highlighted item in this dish, not necessarily the pasta, I can see maybe why the spoon would be the one you would reach for. I can see it. And I'm sure at some point <laughs> okay. in my life I've had macaroni and cheese with a spoon. Okay. I'm sure it's happened. Yeah. 
All right. But how are you going to put each of the little elbows and give them all sleeves? You know what I mean? You're going to give them fork sleeves. How would you do that? Yes. Which is way more fun. Yes. Although I do believe that is not etiquette approved. So <laughs> let's not do that at the formal dinner party. Let's do that. Where we're serving that. mac and cheese. And because I guarantee you somebody across the table from you will go, oh, sweaters for your fork. And you go, yes. <laughs> sweaters for your fork. And then you found a new friend. Okay. Now, what about the third option? The unspoken option, the spork. I can't. No. I just emotionally packed up and left the house. Okay. So we, we <laughs> cannot get on board with the spork. I just find them to be, I've only seen a plastic spork. I've never seen a, a real spork. Well, it actually is not a new utensil. I think they actually kind of started in the 1800s. Like they've definitely been around a long time. I thought you were going to say chopsticks. Oh, chopsticks. I feel like that's for when you really want to make it last. You know, you're like, I'm just going to have one at a time. And would you put the pasta on one individual chopstick? <laughs> Is that how you do it? Chopstick sweaters. So I think for a variety of reasons, I think fork is probably correct. Although the fact that Kraft uses a spoon on their packaging does throw a bit of a wild card in it because I feel like they've done market research and somehow a lot of their audience resonates with spoon more. And so why is that? I would like to believe that they were mixing it with the spoon. They were putting it onto their plate with the spoon. No, no. This is like spoon ready to go into your face. That's what this photo looks like. Maybe they're thinking it's more like a SpaghettiOs situation. And that was like, you know, in another episode, you you said how to handle something. Oh, it was the spa episode. And you were saying, mm -hmm. sometimes when we have something new, we think, what's like this? Right. And we handle that situation. So maybe when Kraft Macaroni and Cheese came out, they thought, what is like this that people will understand what we're going for? And then they went, SpaghettiOs. I see. Oh, this is such a new thing. Nobody knows what this is yet. We're going to have to help them understand how to get it from their plate to their face. <laughs> yes. And so to help them along, we will give them something that's familiar. That's the spoon. I see. You know what it is? This just hit me right now. <laughs> is that macaroni and cheese is a comfort food. Sure. And I think that more comfort foods are eaten with spoons. Ice cream. Oh. Soup. Yes, that's true. So the spoon signifies to the viewer of the box, this is going to make, whereas a fork slightly aggressive, it implies mm. more work. It implies you're eating in a social situation where you have to think right. about not making fork sweaters. A there's spoon linens says, involved. There's linen. Yes. A spoon says, you kick back. You relax. I see. It's sort of a warm hug. It is a war. A spoon is a warm hug. Oh, that's actually a good psychological point that the spoon does feel like an embrace. It really does. Whereas a fork feels like work. It's working. You're working. Mm -hmm. You're laboring to get the pasta into your face. It's a labor. Whereas the spoon, effortless. Effortless and it's very couchy. I'm going to sit on the couch. That's true. I'm probably wearing warm socks. Yeah. No, it's definitely a wool type of a feel. Yes, it is. Sure. You're full of a blanket after you eat it. <laughs> okay. So you out there, if you have any thoughts about fork versus spoon or spork, or if you have some terrapin spoons laying around, I guess you could use those. But yeah, let us know. What is the preferred utensil in your house? And it, it quite possibly varies by mood, you know? I could see it. Now that we've talked it out, I could really see it uh, varying by mood. Oh, like, oh, who am I tonight? Yeah. Oh, tonight... I'm a fork person. Tonight I'm eating fancy macaroni and cheese. Right. And I'm making fork sweaters. But tomorrow I'm relaxed. I'm spooning it in. Okay. 
Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. to play a game we like to call Vent or Repent. Vent to Repent. Which is our opportunity to vent about some bad etiquette experience we've had recently, or we can repent for some etiquette faux pas we've committed. So Leah, I have crunched some numbers and I have uh, looked at the last hundred episodes and what our percentages were. So what do you, what do you think it was? I think- What percentage of our vents or repents were actually vents? I was going to guess that it would be the segment would more appropriately be called vent, 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 or repent. Like it was one okay. out of five. But I actually don't even think that it's one out of five is a repent. <laughs> I think it's maybe 2%. Well, it's higher than that. What's a little tricky is that there are definitely definite vents. And then there were like things that were not. So you had a prevent, which was <laughs> you cleaning up salsa and Ralph's. And I don't know what we do with that. And then you had something just about like cookie dough. And they're like, I don't know what we do with this. I had a lament. And so, you know, that's not a vent. But you vented 84% of the time. 84%. And I vented 90% of the time. I feel like your number's higher than that. And you're counting something. I mean, I, I crunched the numbers. I don't know. So for today's Venture Repents, we went through the archives and, oh, there's been some fun things. And uh, coincidentally, we picked all vents. I mean, so weird. I mean, statistically <laughs> speaking, that's how it had to be. That's how it had to be. And we couldn't just pick one each. <laughs> so we went with two each. We make the rules. We can do whatever we want. What it was is that I could. I had two that I really wanted Nick to do. And life is about more, not or. <laughs> so I said, let's do it all. For me, I think it's very funny. Both of mine involve airports. I did notice that. Yes. But I think that in my life, it's either going to be an airport, driving, or a group fitness class. It's going to be one of these three. And for me, one of mine actually I don't think is a vent. It's more just a things I don't like in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so so maybe statistically, actually, I am lower than 90%. I Are we talking about the G word one? We're talking about the G word. I love this one so much. I was like, it's a must. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I don't know if it's a vent, but uh, I just don't care for it. So <laughs> I'm throwing it in. Like a garnish. Oh, He's just topping it off. <laughs> so, Leah, would you like to vent or repent? I think I'm going to vent. Okay. As Nick actually put in a request on this vent. Oh, good. <laughs> I, I, well, I specifically ordered this one up. 
So I recently have been flying mm-hmm. and I mentioned to Nick, I think I also updated my Instagram because at the moment I was, <laughs> I think shocked. There's a, whatever the next word is from shock. Terrified. Terrified. Disgusted. <laughs> alarmed. Alarmed. I think I was very alarmed. <laughs> so I was transferring flights and I was in the waiting area mm-hmm. and I see a man with a ventriloquist dummy. Uh-huh. And he's not like carrying the dummy in like a... It's not in the suitcase. It's not in the suitcase. It's not even in like a baby carrier. <laughs> it is in full... It is in full uh, life. I don't know. It's it's fully animated. animated? Yeah, yeah. He's got his, his hand in it uh-huh. and it's sitting on his other arm uh-huh. and it's walking through the waiting area of the airport with him and it's looking <laughs> at people. And in my mind, I just think, oh, no. <sighs> Oh, no. I think I'm not ready for this. There has to be a part of this that feels... You got to warm up to that. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't just jump into ventriloquist dummy. And I, a part of me was like, is this illegal somewhere? I don't know. And was the doll like greeting people? The doll then, of course, you immediately start throwing up prayers to heaven where you're like, please don't let this person be next to me. You know what I mean? I think that's what <laughs> Don't make thinking. eye contact. Don't make eye contact. I thought don't make eye contact. And then I, I get on the plane. I'm sitting. I'm in an aisle seat. I see the man and the doll coming down the aisle and the doll is greeting people <laughs> coming down the aisle coming down the aisle and i the doll looked at me and i i i just like waved i was like what am i supposed to do you don't want to be rude i don't want to be rude i don't want to start something with the doll you know what i mean definitely do not want to get into an altercation no, with a doll i have seen movies about this i am not getting involved i was then emotionally forced into saying hi to this doll out of fear that there would be some repercussions okay so i think this is an etiquette crime <laughs> I I think it is rude to force ventriloquism on others. I think it is. I think it's rude. It's definitely very shocking. Yes, I think to make other people uncomfortable is always rude. And I think this is definitely an occasion that makes people uncomfortable. I went from not flying to flying with a ventriloquist doll that's talking to people. And you think, is this a haunted plane? What kind of a what kind of a scary movie am I living right now? <laughs> right. Well, I'm sorry this happened to you. <laughs> and it is an etiquette crime. So uh, this vent, uh, it's solid. I actually remember thinking Nick would not like this. I would not <laughs> care for this. Definitely not. Because I don't want forced interactions with strangers on planes in general. And then when they're inanimate objects <laughs> pretending to be animate, definitely draw the line there. Absolutely. Hard line in the sand. Hard line. And then, of course, I was also like, hi, how are you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying. And for me, I would like to vent. And so I just want to do like a little review on how doors work. Okay, I don't know what this is, but it's already my favorite thing. (laughs) They're new. So perhaps not all of us are like super familiar with them. And I really do think though, there can be like the next big thing when it comes to like getting through walls. So I think it is important to sort of review doors. So I'm at the Whitney Museum here in New York City. And the museum is such that they don't have escalators and the elevators are very slow. And so you have to really just take the elevator to the top floor and then you have to take the stairs down. Like that's the only way to navigate this museum. So I'm on the sixth floor. I've seen the exhibit. I'm going to go into the stairwell and I'm going to go to another floor. And the door opens into the stairwell away from me. So I 
push the door, but someone actually is right there and they open the door towards them. They're standing in the stairwell. Leah, what should happen next? I would step back and let you through. You're holding the door for me and you would let me through. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, because that is physics. (laughs) And so that is not what happened. What happened is this person opened the door and then tried to exit the stairwell past me while also still trying to hold the door open for me. So their arm is now behind them and they're hoping I'm gonna somehow catch the door, which is not possible because their body is between me and the door. And so then what they did is that thing where you kind of give a door a shove to make it sort of bounce open and you hope that I'm going to catch it because now you've darted away. So they did that and they're like, oh, I hope you catch the door before it swings into your face. And I was like, this is not how this works. You need to hold the door open for me so that I can go past you and then you can walk and have the door closed behind you. Like that's how this works because otherwise there's no other way to do it. Like there just aren't options. I feel like I such a visual. I see the whole thing happening. Yes. I think if we ever have a book, (laughs) We have a chapter called Doors. Doors. What are they good for? Train doors, subway doors, (laughs) large buildings, stairwells. And in New York City, I mean, there are times like in an escalator or an elevator situation where there might be somebody who's like clearly a tourist. You're like, oh, you probably just don't have that many escalators or elevators in your town where you're from. Okay. Like revolving doors. Not everybody has them. Not everybody's good at that. Okay. I get it. Doors though. Doors. I feel like we all have doors. We have a lot of door experience. Even children. Children know about doors. You know, it's not something you learn later in life. So it just feels like we need a little reminder that when the door swings towards you and you're holding the door, you are now holding the door. And so please let the person like go through. I think they even had doors when they had trenchers. I think they also had doors back then. Yes. Also not edible. (laughs) Also not edible. (laughs) So that's my vent. I loved it. And Yulia, would you like to vent or repent? I'm also going to vent and it's also about an airport line. All right, bring it. So I'm waiting, as we all do, to get, you know, some people stand up. Some people maybe crowd a little bit too much. We know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And at this point, people have crowded in a lot. So there's not a lot of room for the people who are actually going. You know what the term for this is? No. Gate lice. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. And I got the perfect visual. As soon as, <laughs> yes, that is it. Gate lice. Yeah. Don't be gate lice. Don't be gate lice. So I'm off to the back, but I'm also going to be one of the earlier groups to be called. So I'm ready. And then this woman uh-huh. is a woman and a man push by me <laughs> and all these other people and then stand almost directly in front of the two ropes where you're supposed to go through. Okay. So I assume they're next. I also want to say, and maybe this is petty of me, but I'm going to say it. (laughs) The woman was decked out, hat on her tote bag, t-shirt. Everything was like, kindness is the best. There was like a lot of environmental stuff, all these things about kindness. I mean, she had sayings on everything. Really? Okay. Yes. So then she, with her I love kindness accoutrement, Uh is standing directly in front the next group gets called, not her. Everybody's trying to get by them. The next group gets called, not her. Next, uh, My group gets called. I go by her. They're still standing there. She's the last group because uh, her. she ends <laughs> okay. up being sat right behind me. You're the last group. You're wearing all these, I love kindness, be good to people. And you're blocking. You push, physically push by people. And then you block the entryway for 
everyone so you can go last? I mean, I guess it's aspirational. <laughs> is that what it I, is? Like, when she sat down, I, I couldn't help it. I just stared. I was like, really? We all had to like squish by you and then you're last? I mean, I was like, you should change your ensemble because this is not your vibe. Do you have like a narcissist shirt you could wear out? Yeah, I think actually the bigger crime here is not the behavior. It's the wardrobe. It really is the wardrobe. I was like, you are. Are you? Did you borrow someone's clothes? <laughs> yeah, because a kind person would let you borrow their kindness T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, I right? think the kind person let you borrow the shirt and was like, this will be funny. <laughs> well, I'm sorry this happened to you. So for me... I also am not sure if this is a vent or a pen. I think it's actually not even an etiquette thing. I don't know what this is. <laughs> this is a complaint. And until we have a show that is just about things that Nick doesn't like in the world that are not etiquette related, <laughs> this is where this is going. And you break the rules all the time. So like, it's my turn. So I want to talk about- I love how you about- put that on me. I love how you put that on me. <laughs> so for me, I want to talk about garnishes. And have we talked about my philosophy on garnishes? No, like, we haven't. No, I had a philosophy of garnishes. Of course I do. I would have guessed <laughs> so, if you were like, do you think I have? I would say yes. yes. Do I know what it is? No. So we're talking about garnishes on like food and drink. And so these are things that get added to a dish that are not the dish. So like, you know, the thing that's like the little bonus, the sprinkle, it's the topping, it's the whatever doodle. And so that's what we're talking about. And so I was just at this restaurant in the village having dinner and I ordered the salmon. And so, Leah, what is the garnish do you think I received on my salmon plate? I would assume it was a lemon. Yeah, lemon, great garnish. Love that. Yeah. Now, what I got was a purple orchid. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what? And this purple orchid is actually very common. Actually, once you start observing garnishes in the wild, you will see this purple flower pop up way more often than it should. Like it is very common, shockingly common. And so I got a purple flower on my plate. And here's my feeling. Garnishes should be functional. Not just edible, they should be functional. And if they're not functional, they need to add a significant level of whimsy to whatever it is. <laughs> so like if we're having a banana daiquiri and you put plastic monkeys on the glass, great. Non-functional, but whimsy, allowed. But like cocoa powder, no one wants to eat raw cocoa powder. Not a good garnish, not functional. So I do want there to be some reason for being. And the thing needs to also be delicious in and of itself. And it needs to be delicious when combined with the thing it's on. So like you need to be able to take a bite of like the salmon and a bite of the garnish together. And that together should also taste good. There should be some relationship there. And I also like when the garnish has a relationship with what's in the dish. So like, if there's going to be rosemary chicken, then like, okay, if you put a rosemary bush on the plate, like that makes sense. But if there's no rosemary in this dish, like don't put a twig of rosemary on the plate. Similarly, like, is this ice cream mint ice cream? No. Why is there a mint leaf on it? Why, why is that? Why is that happening? Like, if you give me a piece of cake and there's a raspberry, I'm going to assume there's like a layer of raspberry in this thing. Like, why is there just like a raspberry on it? So I do want there to be some relationship. Or there needs to be some philosophical reason. There needs to be some intellectual reason for this. So like, it's a light cookie with something dense, or it's like something acidic with something fatty. Like, there needs to be some things thought out, like some reason for being. But just like to slap something on a plate just to do it, like a purple flower? No, no, do not care for that. No, please don't. I love this. I feel like it should be a chapter somewhere, <laughs> at least uh, uh-huh. 
an article, um, I but know. I would say chapter, um, garnish theory. Yeah. I mean, do you have strong feelings about garnishes? But now I feel like I do. I mean, I've definitely thought, I've definitely gotten a plate and be like, I don't know why this is here. Yeah. Why does this exist? Right. But I haven't broken it down to be like, it either needs to be whimsical mm-hmm. or functional. Yes. And it needs to enhance. We got to have some additive quality. I don't want just like parsley sprinkles just for the sake of putting some green on the plate. I think this is a very fair breakdown. And is this etiquette? I mean, I guess it's not mindful of my feelings as a diner. (laughs) I guess that's what it comes down to. You could bring it up. Can I talk to somebody about the garnishes on this? Because I'm at a loss. Yeah. (laughs) Or help me understand. Yes. Walk me through the process that led us to this today. (laughs) Yes. Help me uh, understand (laughs) how this schmear of raspberry coulis on this otherwise non-raspberry dish showed up. How did this happen? I don't know. We'd love to learn. Yeah. (laughs) So garnishes. Let's all uh, be more mindful with our garnishes, everybody. So, Leah, what have we learned? I think I've learned that you and I are going to clearly grow old together. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm ready for that. We were going to stop at 30. We're going to stop at 100. Now we're at 200. Yeah, no, it's a slippery slope to two million. It's for a sure. slippery slope to moving in next door to each other. Or with each other. I mean, just to get some <laughs> twin beds. Bunk beds, about the top or the bottom. Can you imagine? I mean, I can. Yeah, I mean, I actually, at this point, I could imagine. What a show that would be. Talk about oh. the odd couple. <laughs> yeah. Or it's really a true crime story. <laughs> <laughs> And I learned that we will never truly exhaust things to talk about. It's just, there will always be etiquette crimes out there. But on the flip side, I deeply believe that kindness spreads. Yes, and I do inherently believe in the goodness of everybody. And so let's just hope someday we will get our Nobel Prize. (laughs) Well, thank you, Leah. Thank you, Nick. And thanks you out there for listening. It has been such a treat to have you on this journey with us. And we couldn't do without you. And if I could, I really would write a handwritten thank you note to each and every one of you on my custom stationery. He really would. I really would. So please keep sending in your questions, your vents, your bonkers stories. We love it all. And we love you guys for being with us. So thank you. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. All right, Leah, it's time for Cordials of Kindness, the part of the show that you make us do, but I only give you 30 seconds to do it. Ready, set, go. So to build on what Nick just said, I want to do a Cordials of Kindness to our amazing listeners. Yes. I never would have guessed when we started out how wonderful and supportive and how many people wrote us so many great letters and get in touch with us. And I feel deeply grateful every day for this. And thank you so much. For sure. And for me, I want to say thank you to you, Leah, because what a journey this has been. And we joke about like, oh, we're stuck with each other forever. But if I have to be stuck with somebody, there's nobody else I'd rather be stuck with than you. And so when we're in our retirement community called Manor's End and we're sitting on the porch when we're 90, we will still be venting about the mint sprig that showed up on that chocolate pudding that didn't belong. And I look forward to this day. I do. So thank you, Leah. This has been such a fun thing. What, Nick? I am blushing. Speechless. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. I insist thank you. Oh, no, after you. You. 
This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Acorn TV offers world-class mysteries, dramas, comedies, and documentaries from Britain and beyond. So I'm just starting this week a show with Jane Seymour called Harry Wild. Yeah, it's so fun because it falls under the uh, person who is not an official police person or right. or like in, in the judicial department or anything like that is like, I'm going to get involved and I'm going to help you solve this crime, which is one of my favorite types of ladies. And yeah, so Jane Seymour, I guess, is a retired English professor and her son is a police detective and she just can't help but get involved in the cases he's working on. Yes, and they have a new season coming out this month, so it's the perfect time for you to jump in, Nick. And Jane Seymour is wonderful. Wonderful. So you out there, check that out, and check out all the great stuff that Acorn TV has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv. This episode is brought to you by Acorn TV. Acorn TV. And Acorn TV offers world-class mysteries, dramas, comedies, and documentaries from Britain and beyond. So I'm just starting this week a show with Jane Seymour called Harry Wild. Yeah, it's so fun because it falls under the uh, person who is not an official police person or, right. or like in, in the judicial department or anything like that is like, I'm going to get involved and I'm going to help you solve this crime, which is one of my favorite types of ladies. And yeah, so Jane Seymour, I guess, is a retired English professor and her son is a police detective and she just can't help but get involved in the cases he's working on. Yes, and they have a new season coming out this month, so it's the perfect time for you to jump in, Nick. And Jane Seymour is wonderful. Wonderful. So you out there, check that out and check out all the great stuff that Acorn TV has. Sign up for a 30-day free trial with promo code ACORN30 at acorn.tv.